This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. And it's a Sammy Liss Real Kipper and Bourne show. Is uh, JB, where is he? His priorities have been revealed, Kip. He's at a golf course again, watching golfers golf. Oakdale, yep. the start of the Canadian Open, RBC Canadian Open. Yep. Our Sammy is there. He is re- representing he, us. Last time he was inside the ropes, walking along with the golfers as a real golf media guy. Is he playing today? <laughs> I don't think so. Do we have um, a Canadian uh, Connors? Minus five, I think. He's leading the tournament. We got a Canadian in the lead last I checked. Sounds good. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, Jen Rolnick, and producing with our lineup just at the buzzer. I thought I was going to start for the first time in two years <laughs> a show with no lineup. It'd be Ron Burgundy, just, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to read. What do I read? And it, It's an okay lineup. <laughs> Getting graded on air. It, yeah. I got to be honest with you, Dave Sisboomba. <laughs> I give this thing maybe a a 2 out of 10. A <laughs> 2 out of 10. I've got no breaks. <laughs> I've done this show for two years. I can't tell you when I'm going to break now. Does it say on the break where my break I is? Got, I got no breaks, Kip. We're just going to plow through today. David. Sponsors, we're sorry. Wave well, your hands when I want to go to break like you're landing a plane. <laughs> We'll figure it, it out it there? on our very own. Oh, I got 255 break. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's going to be a long break. I know when the show's a, over, a 23, Dave. A 23 hour break. All right. All right. Hey, look, maybe we'll track down Sammy at the golf course. Are they allowed cell phones there? I don't know. That would be hilarious, though. I would like to see that near someone like Bryson DeChambeau. I don't know if he's even here, but one of the angry golfers would be good. Okay. Let's see if we can track him down. Let's see if he'll pick up the phone. Let's see. If he is lit up like a Christmas tree. Uh, you know, what's funny is he's been campaigning all week for people to buy him beers if they see him. By the way, not just if you see me come on up and say, hey, if you see me come up and buy me a beer has been Sammy's mantra. So uh, no guarantee what we would get out of him if we got him. Well, we'll see what uh, he has to say. If, uh, if there's any sightings, even leaf sightings down there. Yes, I have word through a friend. Ryan O'Reilly is in attendance. Someone said they passed him today. He's on the grounds. Yeah. He have did you, a hit yesterday on a different network. Have you done that before? Gone to a PGA and just followed guys around? I went last year, yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. I'm going to go Sunday. It's, you know, this is a weird thing to say, but I think I would prefer to do it alone. Are we, do we have Sammy? Hello. Oh, okay, <laughs> let's let's go to uh, live Ryan Leslie at the Irish Pub in Boston. <laughs> yeah, hey, Sammy. <laughs> are you uh, are you Ryan Leslie right now? No, I'm being a good boy. I haven't had one sip of alcohol. I'm, uh, I'm a big J journalist. I've been following around Roy McIlroy. I was watching some of the Canadian golf. Been uh, inside the ropes here, fellas. I can't be drinking. I'm a big J. Taking lots, hey, of, good. Stuff, lots hey, of videos. You're, you're, lots of videos. I'm writing lots of things about this. So it's been great. You're an adult right now in the big yeah. room. Now I'm thinking now that I've you know followed around with the big groups. So I'm thinking I'm going to go maybe. Walk the back nine. I didn't see much of the back nine. I'm going to walk around and maybe see if there's a somewhere that I could maybe purchase a cerveza or two. I might do it this afternoon. But, no, I've been a good boy this morning. It's been really good to be here so far. And how's Rory's body language right now as a, a, a guy that's been <laughs> whooped? Defeated? So I watched him for about 14 holes. I walked with him. And I think, I think he finished one under. I think he birdied the last hole to go to one under. And he played like... 
crap. Like I, I for a guy that's the one of the best players in the world, like he was chunking chips, he was long in a lot of spots, his driving was off, he was kicking the tee boxes, he was looked like he was having the worst shot of his life, and he ends up being minus one. I guess that's why he's one of the best players in the world. But I would say his body language looks a little little dejected like he's not doesn't have the pop in his step that he usually does look like he's maybe a little bit tired from uh, all the happenings in the golf world so yeah i would definitely say that when we played that course uh you and i was at last summer i remember thinking yeah. they are going to eat this course alive i thought it was defenseless like a beautiful course but i didn't think it was gonna hold up how's it holding up looks like minus well, five's the lead that's it's not bad yeah there's some spots here where it would be a little bit you can't hit a driver in some spots where you'd probably like to hit a driver. I saw a lot of irons off the tees from a couple of the groups. I heard a couple, I would say some muttering about one of the number eight here where uh, Justin Rose may have been dropping a couple S bombs uh, and saying it's an S hole. This hole is S E. So there's some, I would say there's some muttering going on a little bit around here, but yeah, it's, it's holding up. Okay. Like I don't think they're ripping it apart, but there's some tricky weird shots here where I don't know how it's going to translate to Sunday. I'm looking at number 10, you know, that sort of like supposed to be drivable tense. Remember that one that yeah, they were yeah, talking yeah. about? Yep. I'm looking at it right now. It's way up on top of the hill. I, I, I don't know what it's going to look like come Sunday. They have a lot of room to kind of move the tees around, move them up, move them back, but it's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, uh, it's holding up pretty well. JB got word that Ryan O'Reilly is there. And uh, have you seen any oh, really? sightings? And I only bring this up, Sammy, because he went on a Toronto radio station uh, Not ours, yesterday. Eh? Not ours. <laughs> and um, uh, kind of suggested when he was describing the playoffs that there, there was uh, times when uh, he thought that they could have done things differently. And yeah. a lot of people want to connect that to Sheldon Keefe. I, I think that's probably a pretty natural thing to do, no? with the way that the, the fan base is feeling about Sheldon Keefe. Like we saw the, when I put out that poll, almost 2000 people voted and it's 70% of people think he shouldn't be back next year. So I think it's a pretty easy parallel to draw, but I think you could also say like, if they got a couple pucks to go into the net past Robrovsky, it could have gone differently. Like all those games are so tight. So I'm here for the connecting that to Keefe, but I don't think it's probably all that. What do you guys think? Yeah, I I think he was kind of saying like, ah, you know, could have done things differently, like, you know, dump it in here or there or make a pass where we didn't. But I did. I was on high alert for that sort of thing. I don't know. I could yeah. see how people connected the dots. I personally didn't. But. Yeah, and he left it wide open enough. Me personally, if he would have said that on our show, yeah, I would have said, well, what do you mean? What differently? Are you talking about Sheldon Keefe? Strategy? Coaching? Uh, yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> it seems to me like you're you're, uh, you're saying that you, the coaches could have done something differently. How hard well, would that we, have been to ask him that? Well, we could have gone, you know, we, we were talk, too busy talking to Al Morganti yesterday. <laughs> we wouldn't have wanted to talk to Ryan O'Reilly. Hey, we need a better producer. <laughs> 100% you do. 100%. All right, boys, I hope you enjoyed your day. I'm going to, uh, on that note, Go. I'm out of here. All Go. Right, get out of here. Love you, boys. Love you, Sammy. Sammy McKee, live from the Canadian Open. Um, yeah, it's a general comment, and unless you specifically ask him, like, what do, you, what, what, what could you have done differently? And yeah, really, is twice he said there's more, a lot we could have done differently. A couple in the playoffs. of more dumpins. I think he was alluding to something deeper than that, but yeah. I, I don't necessarily go to Sheldon Keefe right away, but I can see why people would. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can too. And, you know, I think he's trying to 
say, you know, he doesn't want to create a story, but it is, it's an interesting note. And maybe part of the reason they fear going on radio in general is this sort of thing, but. <laughs> is that why they avoid our show? That's <laughs> yeah, why we've had John DeVars and no one else this year. Yeah. And, and, and we have on occasion, me more than any, you know, anyone else. I know I've, I've questioned Sheldon's, um, at times for not making necessary adjustments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when you look at that Florida series, you know, he he kind of summed up the series. He was saying, like, you know, in game two, you know, things didn't go, go our way. Maybe we could have done some things differently. And then he says, and then Bobrovsky got hot, and by then you're in too deep a hole. And I think that's a fair point. But, you know, you have to make those adjustments early before you go down 2 nothing at home. You know, that's the game you need, that game two. Okay, in the next 10 minutes or 12 minutes, we're going to have a guest, but I don't know who that guest is because uh, it's not on my lineup right now. <laughs> but uh, is it? Ryan Reynolds? Who do we have? Oh, Sean Dave. Reynolds. Oh, Sean Reynolds. That's a... St- Love Sean, What's but that, not quite Ryan. Can you flip the paper over? Oh! <laughs> it's double-sided. It's double-sided. <laughs> That's much better. All right. Dave, you have to afford to double it now that you have twice the info to that double your... David, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Um... Hey, Kip, if he you had more time with the pro, with the uh, lineup, you probably would have noticed have a break. that. So you, you don't back it off too okay. far, okay? Are, are, are we cutting back so much here at Rogers that they're telling you to double side paper now? Hmm, interesting times. <laughs> All right. Interesting times. All right. Okay. I have questions so, for you. David says, Boombot, never mind. I have questions for you. Okay. You wrote an article? I did. You my may know. Toronto Star article came out. You can yeah. find it on... Real at real Kipper on my Twitter handle, and it uh, talks about the goaltending situation. Mm-hmm. What the Maple Leafs can learn from Aiden Hill Stanley Cup final run with the Golden Knights, the most notable part to me. So you you don't come to the conclusion that it doesn't matter who's in net. That is the opposite of your conclusion, I would say. Correct. It's not you don't say like, hey, Joseph Wool can be the next Aiden Hill. It's this isn't a this is unusual. This is, this is unusual, and as as well as. Vegas has built for this moment through George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon. When you've left it in the hands of a fourth-string goaltender yeah. to come in this late, it is nothing but a crapshoot and great on Aiden for stepping up. But you just can't can't take that chance if you're yep. Brad Tree living next year on a team that has to win now. Yeah, you'd rather see him get bolder, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of people would agree with you here. So, just going to read a quick paragraph. What should intrigue Tree Living is the number of quality goaltenders available this summer. Connor Hellebuck, Carter Hart, Thatcher Demko, and Jeremy Swayman could all be had for the right price. UC Soros from Nashville may be the biggest prize of all for the right mix of draft picks and prospects. He has two years left at a very affordable five million average annual value. The Leafs could conceivably go any route they, route they choose in that regard, but it would most likely mean giving up one of their core four players. Yes. So really, is trading in uh, a salary of Willie Nylander at $10 million or let's throw Marner in there too at 10 9 mm-hmm. for a Soros at $5 million plus maybe uh, a $5 million defenseman. Right the better route. You know, it's the first time that I've heard something in a potential trade of the core four where I, my ears kind of went, mm. you know, like, cause in every deal you think about, it's like, 
well, if you're trade Marner, Willie or whatever, you feel like you're going to get back a prospect and a yeah. draft pick and a, a promising guy. I think to the Taylor Hall trade when they traded him and you get back Adam Larson and it's like, he might turn into a star and it's like, or he might turn into yeah. a second pair guy. This is interesting because UC Soros is an established one of the best goalies he in the league. He's, he's in the wheelhouse of, of, of winning right now. He's cheap for two years. And I assume if you do go that route and it will cost you a first rounder, a top pick, a, a, maybe even a, a roster player. Not, yeah, okay. That you're going you're gonna to have him for the next two years at $5 million and then you're going to want to re-sign him at whatever market bears and where the cap is you, you, you can really worry about that later yeah but he comes in and he helps you win from a different perspective the, the it the, kicks the door open the, the for front, the window the, fr- the front end didn't work yeah right between nylander marner matthews Tavares, and even ryan o'reilly now maybe yeah. it's core five if you look at it from last march into the yeah. playoffs five didn't work up front now does Brad come in and say, uh, no, you really win this time of year from the back end mm-hmm. out? It's an interesting thought because, like, if you, you know, I believe that the great players in the NHL almost always get their cup or get around it, you know, to the cup finals or whatever. Like, there's not many guys in history I think Lindros is one of the few, maybe Marcel Dion, but mostly the best players find their way true, through. Are Connor Hellebuck and UC Soros in that class of guys? who at some point are going to drag a team to the cup final just on their their excellence, you could talk me into that. I, I believe that to some extent. And Soros, to me, you know, I that that interests me. Now, if you're Barry Trotz, are you going to yeah. come in and have your first trade as a GM be to trade a guy who's been nominated for the Vezina Trophy multiple times on a cheap deal? Uh, it It's not an easy one for no. him coming in five minutes on the on the job but I, I would think he'd know his team better than than anyone in that organization even though he's been gone for the last few years I don't think they're in a wheelhouse right now where um they can recover anytime soon I really no. don't and I, I imagine he's got to see that like Duchesne's not getting better Ryan Johansson's not getting better a lot of the guys who make a lot of their money not getting better you just traded Eckholm like they are pretty clearly in a rebuild uh coming up here and they've got a kid uh I think it's a Russian prospect By the too way, how, why did they get rid of Tolvanen what a dumb yeah. one that was anyway. uh I think they've got a a, a good prospect a goaltender in oh the yeah Askarov yeah right yeah he's re he's legit okay if would he be a year or two away? I mean, he, he might a good be next year ready. With Milwaukee, did you know? Yeah, that? I think he's probably next year ready so, to at least play, whether he's great or not. Who knows? But know, I mean, uh, we we just talked yesterday about uh, Philadelphia and uh, Daniel Briere making a bold move. Yeah, like they guys got to come in and and make fast decisions. And I think Brad's in that position where he's got to he's he can't just I think come in and and necessarily play it safe between Samsonov and Joseph Wall. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that 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 won't be the ultimate decision for them, but this robust list of grade-A goaltenders right now, which we know isn't what it used to be. But it also helps in the year when everyone's going, it doesn't matter who's your goalie. Look at Aiden Hill. Like, those guys might get cheaper because of that. Here's a question for you. Yeah. So, uh... 
know you're a big Marner guy and, um, you know, think he's excellent and believe in him and, and many in Toronto do. Let's say in a hypothetical that he were the guy to go for, um, for sorrows. Yeah. Who has to attach more to that trade? You know, Marner also has two years left on his deal at just under 11. You know, Marner is elite elite. He's been voted the best right winger in the league two of the last three years. Does Nashville have to throw in more or because yeah. Soros is so cheap, does that yeah. offset some of it? I, I would think Marner has, has more value than Soros straight I do too. Up. I do too. So Absolutely. I'm, I'm, 100 point guy. Yeah. Top winger. 25 years old. Yes. 26, whatever yeah. he is. Yeah. You know, that's so I, I would be curious what that would look like. There's 80, there's 30 games. Saros doesn't play. Yeah. Great point. And if you're Nashville, like that's tempting. So then I wonder with Nylander, if you have to do like a sign and trade, you know, if they have to know that they get him, because that to me is a more one for one type of trade, but they would have to know that they have Nylander under contract beyond that to make that trade probably. So can Again, you sign Willie uh, to nine times six and trade him? Or? You got to understand too, and and I I don't protest to know Nashville's uh, salary cap off the top of my head real well here, but you, you're also you know you're offering them eleven million dollars. You're taking five back. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if that if the math works for Nashville, even if it was straight up. Yeah, they got some guys that they could happily part with. Again, I named those two. You want to throw Yossi in there too? No, they can have Marner and Nylander if you want to do that. Yossi Soros for Marner and Nylander. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. We didn't. Ah, oh, they got lots of room. They yeah, they handle. got lots of room. Is right, but boy, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I don't know where they are <laughs> right now. Score at that point? Right, I just traded Marner and Nylander. It's like, yeah, yeah Matthews right. is going to score 600 next year. Um. Outside of that, we mentioned Hellebuck. Mm-hmm. We're going to have uh, Sean Reynolds. Does a terrific job yeah. following uh, Talk the, the Winnipeg stuff. Jets. We'll get his thoughts in a few minutes on on Hellebuck and how quickly he sees him perhaps in a, in a new uniform. Yeah. yeah. I like him a lot too, by the way. Hellebuck. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he, you know what, he's just, he's weird in a good way. You know, he's got that goalie sort of demeanor. He's competitive. He plays a lot. He's big. He's he's a battler. Two teams I could easily see Hellebuck playing for next year as early as September, October. New Jersey. Oh, good one. And Los Angeles Kings. I wonder, because New Jersey seems to think they're in the window now, right? They traded for Timo Meyer at the deadline. And they're not expected to qualify uh, restricted free agent Mackenzie Blackwood either. Yeah. That changes things. I'm just thinking about in terms of what they could trade that Winnipeg would want. I think Winnipeg has to have an honest conversation with itself about what they are going to be. You know, do they want first-round picks? Or are they hoping to get guys who can play now? You know, that's a that's a big swing. It, do they have what Winnipeg would want? And the Kings, too. You know, how, how many picks do the Kings want to trade? My, my honest opinion on the Kings is that they're not as close as they seem to think they are. They're yeah. good. Yeah. But I don't know. Kopitar's another year older. He's a big part of it. Doughty, too. There's some teams linking, or not, there's some people linking Carter Hart even to the Toronto Maple Leafs. That one I cannot see. No, I can't either. I don't. 
It doesn't appeal to me either. You don't need another guy who's a high ceiling, low floor guy. I just can't yeah. live like that. And the other thing too is, and he got off to a terrific start last year. He was really good, but yeah. he tailed off. They beat the heck out of him though. Oh, we can get some Jets questions answered now. All right, let's go to Sean Reynolds. Does a terrific job for Sportsnet, Hockey Night in Canada, covering the Winnipeg Jets and uh, everything out west. Sean, how are you, pal? I'm doing great, Kipper. How are you doing, bud? Yeah, we're good. Um, we thought it'd be a good time to to talk a little bit of, of the Jets and uh, coming off our conversation of uh, this this list of potential available available goalies and how do you not put Hellebuck at the top of the list right oh yeah no doubt I mean if you're you know there's so many teams out there that are thinking if we could just if we could just get a goaltender that would be the finishing piece that Connor Hellebuck isn't just that this is a goaltender that has kept the Winnipeg Jets alive for a number of years and had them you know, in playoffs and probably a number of years, I think this year you can include that. I think the play-in year uh, are years that the Jets, their, their numbers would tell you that they weren't a very good team, but Connor Hellebuck just kept them in it. So you're not just talking about a goaltender that's like, you know, we're L.A., we're a pretty good team. If we get out of goaltender, we could compete. You're talking about the kind of goaltender that can take a mid-range team and make them an upper-level team if he continues to do with that team what he's done with the Winnipeg Jets. So this is really one of those trades that if you can pick up this goaltender, you know, I, I don't want to put him way too high up there, and it's funny to say that considering he's in Vesna contention for so many of these years and has a Vesna. But, like, you take a look at way back in the 90s, a trade like the one that sent Color, uh, uh, Patrick Watt to Colorado, that entirely changed, you know, the face of that franchise and what they were capable of. You know, I'm not putting him at Patrick Law's level yet. He's got a ton that he has to prove in his career to get there. But there's potential for this to be that kind of deal. A team could go pick up this player, sign him long-term, and have him around. He could be the backbone, the very foundation of an organization that could have a ton of success just based on the idea that you've got a goaltender that time and time again has shown you he can steal games to the degree that he makes a team look a lot better than it actually is. So he may be the crown jewel in terms of trades, or maybe Dubois. You know, there's Shifley, there's Wheeler. We were talking. Can ahead. I just ask one more yeah, goalie question yeah, on yeah. Hellebuck? Yes. Okay, um, and I'm going to ask you this too as well. Okay, you mentioned sign him. Uh, is is he? Does he have a strong argument to be a ten million dollar goaltender like Bobrovsky or Carey Price before he shut it down? Oh, I think he entirely does. I, you know, based on I, I, I still I would not put him where uh, Carey Price got to in his career. I mean, Carey Price is a goaltender who made the Canadians relevant for a lot of years where they shouldn't have been relevant. Connor Hellebuck has done similar things with Winnipeg. I just don't think to the degree of Carey Price. Um, I I mean, I would definitely put him in the Bobrovsky range, what I've seen Bobrovsky do in his career right now. If I would pick the two more impressive careers, I would pick Connor Hellebuck. Um, I guess the question for him, and, and he has said this, I mean, it's the reason we're talking about him moving on because at the year end, he basically said he wants to be somewhere where he can compete. Uh, you, you talk to him time and again, what does he need to prove in his career in the playoffs, blah, blah, over and over. He has said this consistently to me for years. He just wants to win that cup. That's He's entirely singularly focused on winning a cup. So he wants to go someplace where that's going to happen. Well, I think if you're a player that kind of, 
puts that idea first. Sometimes you have to say, do I want to be a $10 million goaltender on a team that has a chance of winning the cup? Or do I want to be an eight, $8.5 million goaltender on a team that's going to have a really good chance of winning the cup because I've left a little bit of money on the table. I, I I've never had this conversation with him, but I do know that Connor Helbig is so singularly focused on that, that if he found the right situation, I could see him backing off the money a little bit just to make sure the team that he was with had enough left behind that it could compete for what he, you know, truly wants to win. And he has no uh, trade protection, I believe, so he could go anywhere, right? But presumably he would, they'd trade him somewhere where they know they could get him re-signed? Well, if you want to maximize the return, and I do think that this, of all the players, you know, you were, you were just touching on it, he'd be the crown jewel for what the Winnipeg Jets have it. Everything else seems to come with conditions. Like Pierre-Luc Dubois is a situation where the Jets just do not have a lot of leverage because of where he likely wants to go. The fact that he's only got one more year of team control left. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois seems to have spent the majority of his career in places that he doesn't want to be. He's one year away from going, you know, choosing his ticket and going to where he wants to go. It seems like he's going to exercise that unless the Jets expedite the process. But, you know, we're hearing different stories. Of course, Jeff Merrick today talking about the New York Rangers and, and the Minnesota Wild, which to me... I don't know if that's just like, if that's coming from Pierre Dubois' camp, it seems like it's them messing with the Winnipeg Jets, giving them an option. That's not really an option because the last thing the Jets want to do is stare down uh, I-95 highway and head down to Minnesota and get blanked for the next eight years uh, <laughs> against Connor Hellebuck, right? But if he truly does want to go to Montreal, Montreal, I don't think, thinks it's winning the cup this year. Uh, so there's really not a rush to get him there. So they don't have to give up a lot. And if there's not a lot of competition because he's not going to accept competition, that puts them in a tough spot. The Shifley potential trade, I mean, I think people look around the league and see he can put up good numbers. But I think when you watch his game, people question, you know, his commitment to, to you know, a defensive style of game. So I think anyone who's picking up Shifley kind of feels like they need to bring him in and make sure he can fit in with their culture and kind of get back to the kind of hockey he was playing for Years will even know he still puts up points with ease. But Connor Hellebuck is one of those absolutely flawless assets. If you go get Connor Hellebuck, you know exactly what you're going to get. So if you're able to get him and be a team that thinks they're right on the edge, they just need to solve their goaltending problem, and you have the money to do it, he's the kind of guy that you could trade and build, you know, one, two, three, maybe four assets that, you know, five or six years down the road from now, you take a look and the team he's with is happy they picked him up, but the Winnipeg Jets are extremely happy because he's basically built the foundation of the next big run of the Winnipeg Jets. Well, it's uh, it's a crazy time because there's, you know, you look at the guys and what they might bring back. Blake Wheeler's a name who also comes up and probably needs an asset with him. I don't know necessarily to, to trade him. I'd heard somewhere along the, the way that, you know, the reasonably high likelihood that all four of those guys could get traded before the season. Where are you on the likelihood? Sheveldayoff has not been an aggressive GM in the past. Where are you in the likelihood that all four of those guys get traded? Well, I think with Hellebuck, you can't risk losing him for nothing because of what we just talked about, the ability for him to bring back basically the future of your organization. Um, if we take a look, and I don't know how you guys perceived it from the outside, but Rick Bonus and his disgusted comments following the Winnipeg Jets 
uh, crashing out of the playoffs in the first round against the Vegas Golden Knights, I think was a sign of something we've seen for years. The thing about Rick Bonus is he'll tell you exactly what he thinks, and I don't think Paul Maurice did that when he was here with the Winnipeg Jets, which is why people were surprised when all of a sudden, you know, everything seems to be going good, and then all of a sudden he walks away from the team. I think there was a lot of truth left on the table that wasn't told when he was here of the issues that were here. Rick Bonus coming in and saying a comment like that gives you an idea of what the state of that dressing room is, what the state of the leadership of that dressing room is. And because of that, I think there's a desperate need for a culture change in Winnipeg. And I do not think you create that culture change without moving both Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheifele. In fact, I think it's impossible to do with Blake Wheeler in the room because they stripped the captaincy from him, um, tried to put other players into that role, Adam Lauer being one of them. And you saw when that team kind of turned on its coach at the end of year availability, they essentially pledged their fealty to Blake Wheeler and said, well, he may have had the captaincy stripped, but he's our captain and nothing has changed around there. Well, if nothing's changed, and we've been seeing that Paul Maurice needed to walk away from this team and that, you know, the new coach is disgusted with their effort. If nothing has changed and he still is the leader and that's the results you're getting, I think it's pretty obvious you need a new leader. The Jets have to change their culture. I don't think you can pull that off without moving Shifley and Blake Wheeler. We're talking to Hockey Night in Canada and Sportsnet's Sean Reynolds does a terrific job covering the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Sean, the Jets relocated, what, 2011? There was a this great uh, return sellout crowds everything was been been going great and then what uh pandemic hits and you know all of a sudden they're not selling out anymore uh jet fans wake up today and they can see their their the nucleus of the team blowing up uh how's this going moving forward for for winnipeg and uh and all this uncertainty is is there is this a nervous time for for um the organization I think it most definitely is for the organization. Now, I I think, you know, based on what I've heard, I think I think very differently than the organization does when it comes to this. You hear these conversations that the team has, and, you know, they're talking about moving these players, and they're basically saying, well, don't be offering us futures. We want to compete right now. So basically what the Jets are trying to offer is, you know, a bunch of players on expiring contract. They want to trade you, Mark Shifley, and they want your Mark Shifley back but they want him signed down long-term. So it's like, here, you take our problem and we'll take your solution. To me, that message that they're sending out there, it doesn't resonate. And I take a look around the league and I think any team that wants Mark Shifley is probably trying to get Mark Shifley to put them over the top or Connor Hellebuck, same thing, trying to get a player to put them over the top. You don't give away equal value right now for a player that you're trying to put over the top. You give a little bit of your future. So you've got a great present, but I think the Winnipeg Jets are saying this because what I sense from them is that they're worried that if they dip a little bit and they're not that a team that's making the playoffs in the next couple of years, that it's only going to worsen their situation with fans. And like you said, the the lack of sellers that they've been seeing. I truly think that the issue with the Winnipeg Jets is one that that core that we're talking about, the culture that needs changing, the culture that got called out, by their head coach is one that has been abrasive and rubbing on fans for a number of years. Now you'll get this Kipper 
uh, a team that really reflects its fan base as a successful team. So the Big Bad Bruins were Big Bad Bruins for years. They knew what their fans were. They were trying to reflect their fans on the ice. Same thing with the Philadelphia Flyers for years until, you know, the last 10 years or so. Did a real good job of really reflecting the grit of the city with their team. Well, Winnipeg is not a flashy town. It is, you know, people who go to work, put their put their effort in, put on their work boots, take them off, and grab their Jets hat, and then head out to the game afterwards. So when they see a team full of players that aren't out there grinding and trying to get things accomplished, you know, in, in a workmanlike manner, and rather they're seeing a team full of guys who are trying to flash their skill, and when the game gets hard, they're not that interested in pushing for it, I think that that is what has been kind of driving fans a little bit away. I, I don't want to go spend $150 when I walk away from my job pouring concrete or, or you know, pounding stakes in the ground on a job site and go watch a bunch of guys not willing to put in the effort that I put in every day on my job. So I think that what's happened here, this is my personal opinion. I don't think the Jets share it at all. But my personal opinion is that the Winnipeg Jets have kind of lost the connection with the fans of who their fans are and what they want to see. I don't think this team or this market would have any problem handling a rebuild if you brought in a bunch of young players with a bright future who were giving everything they had on the ice, even if they were missing the playoffs. That's one of the most history in 2017 when Patrick Liney came rolling onto the scene and Kyle Connor, we were seeing was turning into this phenomenal player. They had all the fans absolutely loved going to the Jets game. I think they need to recapture that relationship with their fans and worry a little bit less about the idea that fans are only showing up to see a team that has a shot of winning the Stanley Cup. All right, Sean, we're going to let you go, pal. But uh, as always, we appreciate your time. Fascinating to watch uh, these storylines coming out of Winnipeg going into uh, the draft. Anytime, guys. Okay. Really appreciate you having me on. Sean Thanks, Reynolds. Sean. Appreciate it, man. Bye-bye. Uh, that was good stuff, boy. I, I really agree with the stuff about connecting with the city and, you know, what your fans want to see from you. The problem is a lot of teams want that element we're talking about. You know, just following the game today and, and where the players are and they understanding where their contract is and then the leverage and then the playing, uh, uh, playing off of, Hey, you want to be paid really well or you want to win? Mm -hmm. Guess what? You can't have both. And Sean just talked about that, about Hellebuck. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, well, uh, how much are you going to pay for Hellebuck? And you know, he's the first one to say, well, you, you want to make the most of money. Maybe you can get 10, which I don't think, I don't think there's a market out there for 10 for him, okay. me personally. Yep. But Sean's right. You want to try to win, you take eight. Mm -hmm. And this is the theme with the elite players. It just doesn't seem like it happens in other sport, in other sports. Like I don't hear a lot of like, you know, Kevin Durant should take less money next year. Well, the system is, I know it's, it's just, yeah, it's so different. This one's so crystal clear. It may have taken the fans 15, 20 years to figure it out, yeah. but they know it. Yeah. And how much of our pie are you listen, costing and how much are you contributing? Don't be on the wrong side just, of that equation. Just look yeah. at this situation right here in Toronto with 34. Oh, has he got a contract up? It will be such a simple conversation between Brad and Austin Matthews. 
Do you want the okay. most you can get? Or do you want to win here in Toronto? Yeah. It's a yes or no question. It's that simple. And if the answer is yes, I want to win in Toronto, then you know where the follow-up's coming from Brad Tree Living. Yeah. You cannot take, take 14 and a, half. <laughs> a big number here. Yeah. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. The system sucks for the players. It really does. Yeah. But guess what? It 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 solidifies the owners get 50% of the revenue, which is great, but it kind of sucks for them too because it doesn't allow you to keep your best players. Oh, it's bad. It's bad it's for bad everybody. All around. All the way around. It is. Outside of their financial uh, Yeah. Heaven means. forbid you draft and develop someone who becomes excellent, and then all of a sudden you're in trouble to keep them after a few years. You know, it's a – fans don't have the chance to get attached to people the way they used to. But um, when, when There's what? also the – you see the Jose Batista stuff in his contract? Uh, yes, I did. It's about not, the... not going to help our Canadian teams out very so much. So can you explain that for, for I'll those? Do, yeah, the, the very short version of it is – to hide your money from the tax people in Canada, you can put it in a retirement plan. There's the, there's a specific retirement plan that athletes have been putting their money into. I think it's called an RCA. An RCA. And so you put your money in that. You're not taxed on that portion. You can take it out when you retire. Bye-bye. Problem is, when you're rich, 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 like these guys, you retire when you're done playing baseball. You can be retired at 34. So Batista's taken out like 90% of his money because he's retired. But he's not like 65 years old retired. He's rich person retired. So now it looks like it's like a way to hide your money from the government. The government's saying, well, if you're not, that's not what that is, that account. We want that tax then. So if you're a Canadian athlete or an athlete playing in Canada and you want to shelter money from Canadian taxes, which, you know, Florida, Tampa, Dallas, Arizona, you don't have to do that there. It oh, now did looks you like, mention Arizona? I did. It now looks like it might be getting harder to protect what you earn. In Canada. Cool, is that, cool, cool, is, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying Austin doesn't want to pay Canadian taxes? No. <laughs> I am saying that you wrote in your article today that uh, RBC, who he's a uh, ambassador for, wanted him to come up and play in the Pro-Am at Oakdale, and he uh, he didn't come do it. Well, he didn't want to come here and... Yeah, I'm sure he's got a media. few other things this week going, and uh, oh, at yeah? the end of the day, the only thing I you mentioned sure? was, um, you know, he's... Maybe he just didn't want to deal with the Canadian or the Toronto media. Yeah. And, you know, if he'd, he'd be bombarded. This is a terrible time for him to come answer questions. Honestly, it is because... I think he's probably just wants to remain low-key on the whole but here's, thing. Here's and my, coming, my question. Coming up here in a very um, public form like the Canadian Open would just draw up all those stories. If I'm RBC, I'm like... We pay you like a million dollars. <laughs> like you, you can't come play eighteen holes on our behalf. Yeah, but you don't know. Listen, to be fair, I have no idea. To, yeah, to be fair, you don't know what uh, he's paid to it, do. What I have no clue. Right, I truly have no clue. And so, those type of things, those type of uh, if do do what do I owe you? Do I owe you three commercials? Do I owe you three commercials plus an appearance? Three appearances? Do I do I owe you a a, a full day at uh, the Canadian Open? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, you're right. That's probably negotiated. You, you don't know time. what you don't know what's in his deal. What's the what's his line from all those RBC commercials? I don't know. You can't remember. Just come and open up an account with us. 
that's all it, no. all it means. No. I don't think that's, that's all it means it. at the end of the day. Um, but no, that was an interesting note. But um, it'll it'll be interesting in terms of uh, and like, come on, like what, what are we at now? June what? Eighth. Eighth. Does he not know by now? He knows. How do you not know? You know, you do know, and hopefully, Tree Living knows. Is it? Are they not able to come out? And say that they know that there's an agreement or whatever because of the NHL. Is there some sort of embargo on them talking before the first? Uh, no, you can talk. You can talk. So they can come out and say, yeah, we're looking Just to make can't this have, happen. You can even have an agreement. But you, you, you don't publicly it. say it. And no one's, no one's uh, bugging your phone. You could have something in the desk right now if you wanted to. And you make it official July 1st. Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice but to hear that, right? That there's something in the drawer. It'd be nice. If 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 Austin's top priority is to remain a Toronto Maple Leaf, not just remain to be a Toronto Maple Leaf, but remain to be a Toronto Maple Leaf and win, then there's gonna be easy scenarios on a three, five, seven, eight year contract. So what's the number to you where he has notably said I took that because I want to win. Uh, 12 7. Oh, 12. 12 I, I, you 12, know 7. what? I wanted a specific number. Thank you for giving yeah. it to me. With, uh, uh, Connor McDavid, 12 5. Nathan, 12 6. Yeah. And just, just out of respect for the cap going up, yeah. I will give you 12 7. Love that. I wonder, yeah, if someone will at some point just smash and buy that. Yeah, by the, they're dated contracts. Our traje- trajectory for the cap is going to go up, and mm-hmm. I don't want to embarrass you. You are considered a top three, top five player in the world. Just because your cap is most or your your contract's most recent, I will respect that trajectory and give you twelve seven. But what if you want to go give him 13, fifteen times eight or no, something, then then you know what he he's the bad guy. Fifteen times eight. Yes. So much money. Yes. You can't win with 15 times eight. I can't get you a cup in the next three years at 15. But at eight times mil- eight in, you know, five years when the cap is up $15 million or whatever it is, that's probably aggressive. But you know what I mean? Maybe it looks better. Anyway. I don't know. You're probably That's right. just my my theory. So so don't sign eight. Yeah. G- give me 12, seven for three years. Love that. Um, Bunting, before we go to break real quick, or do we have time? Or yeah. No? Um, Athanasiu. Re-ups off uh, 20 goals, 20, uh, 40 points yeah. season at 4.25. Uh, as I wrote uh, today in uh, my uh, article for the Toronto Star, that puts uh, Bunting he has uh, from a couple of teams. Bunting's been better than that statistically. Uh, at $5 million. There are teams <laughs> out there, I hear, will be willing to pay him $5 million over four? Uh, five? M- minimum four. Wow. I think you could get five times five. Scarborough based, represent based on twenty goals and twenty assists for Athanasiu. Yeah. Bunting should have no problem going five times five. Okay, we gotta go to break. All right, let's go to break. Our Samuelist show continues after the break. Real Kipper and Bourne. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. 
All right, no Sammy, which means, JB, you're up on playoff picks. All right, it's time for playoff picks, presented by Bet365's... Let me try again. It's time for playoff picks, presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds. All right, two ways you can go at this game tonight. So uh, we're back on tonight at long last, Florida, Vegas, in Florida. If you like Vegas, and I think most people like Vegas, the way things are going right now, over three and a half goals for their team with Mark Stone getting over two and a half shots and William Carlson getting over one and a half shot is a massive payout plus 600. Uh, you know, that requires Vegas to score four times, but don't hate that. You like that one? I, I do because everybody scores on every line. Yeah, that's true. And like, I just can't see them getting shut down like, uh, I know they're going into Florida, and there's you're never really out of a series until you lose on the home ice, right? Right. But I don't know how you stop four solid lines. Like, is is Marcheseau going to slow down here? He's, is he's the guy to me, the most impactful guy who's going to score some big goals. Still, William Carlson's like a third liner on them. I know, and he's. Just lights out right now, too. He's really good. So for Florida, if you do believe Florida's going to come back, uh, you can get Florida to win. They score three and a half goals, so four goals. Uh, and Kachuk scores a goal. If those things happen, that's plus 450. So hey, if you want to go on the Florida side of things, not a bet for me. You? Yeah, that's a. I, I'm more comfortable with Vegas at this point. Yeah, I am, too. We'll keep her tight without Sammy. Um, that was Playoff Picks presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds. I will use this window then to follow up on our conversation we were having before the break. Yeah. I don't feel like I got enough uh, chat on the bunting thing. Yeah. The Athanasio contract really does set him up nicely. Yeah, it does. He, he can say, well, I'm better than that. Yeah. You know, for the last two years, I've been considerably better than that. Um, do you have any idea who might have interest? I just don't see the Leafs touching four and a half or five million on a, on a four or five year deal. For bunting, I I don't see that. And I, uh, months ago, I said they'll get it done with bunting. Yeah. And I thought maybe you would have been looking at uh, maybe three seven five. Yeah. For six years, he'll take that term. He'll lock in twenty twenty five million somehow, some way, with keeping the AAV low. Right. But on Athanasiu's contract, there's just no reason to go. Below four point five million. I wonder what they would think of him. We talked to Sean Reynolds about Winnipeg today. You know, like or another Canadian team that doesn't score a ton is Calgary. But like, you know, Winnipeg's a team that's going to lose a lot of guys who contribute. He can play top six. Yeah. He's a little scrappy. Well, he can, but you know, are you, are you if if, you're paying him if, five five kip? You're playing him on the second line. I know, but there's a big difference between playing him on the second line if I'm trying to make the playoffs. And playing them on the second line, if I'm trying to win, to win a stand and win a cup. Yeah. So there's teams right now sitting going, cup, cup. Yeah. Just get me in the playoffs. Yeah. I'm trying to save my job. Detroit. Detroit would playoffs. be. Playoffs. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> there it is. Uh, maybe one of those teams that says, yeah. listen, uh, in a perfect world for me, and I do like Michael Bunting. Yeah. Is there stuff that he needs to work on? Like, you know, that. Drawing penalties yeah. and uh, the embellishing and the head snapping. I can get that out of his game. Yeah. I can. It just it just needs work. It just needs some one-on-one -on -one, uh, 
I, you can get that out of his game. What you can't put in his game is in the playoffs to play a heavy game. No, he's always going to be okay. 180 pounds or whatever he is. And the danger yeah. is for any team that thinks they can contend for Stanley Cup is putting a guy as light as that on your top six. Yeah. He's not Palat. He's not Kalorn. Kalorn's available, by the way. Right. You know, it's interesting because the Leafs actually didn't score a lot last year. They're middle of the pack in their division. Um, you know, we're talking about trading a core guy. You're going to lose bunting. Like, they may struggle to score for the first time since this core kind of came together. Be interesting to see if they can find some of that cheap. Um, but, man, they've walked a lot of good players we, to the door. Hyman just left. We, bunting, um, we, started, we basically started this show with Ryan O'Reilly, and we're probably going to end on it. Yeah. Uh, you think he really wants to sign here? I do. I think he's won a Stanley Cup. I think he's from Ontario. I think it would mean the world to him to do something here. So, yeah, I do. So, what is... By the way, if we're talking same numbers for Ryan O'Reilly and, and Bunting, and we are, we're in that same ballpark, right? Yes. Like, that's not a particularly tough decision. Well, it but it is. Which is going to drive O'Reilly's number up. But, it, I think but, about it. but Bunting's 27. Yeah, O'Reilly's. 32. One, 31, 32. Yeah, at least. So, for me, I oh, how many years does Ryan O'Reilly want? That's a big deal to me for uh, with Brad. Yeah, would you he's get, 32. Uh, four. I Would you max at four yeah, for I him? Yeah, 32 years old. And if old. he wants five? The, the problem is when he's already not fleet of foot. What's it look like at 30? Five? Sure. Would you give him five? No, I don't want to. Okay, I don't either. Okay. All right. Just like that. John Reynolds, thank you very much for joining us. We got Sammy back tomorrow. Woo. Do you have Doug? Uh, I don't know. You can see if he's still back in Portugal or not. I'm going to take the day off. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Just me and Sammy tomorrow. <laughs> Enjoy game three, everybody. It goes tonight on Sportsnet.